can't let you go I'm too close to you, uh-uh-oh And don't want no one else but you So stay by my side Like I stay on your mind What time is it, Mink? It's drinking coffee time Hey friends, welcome to the Truth and Coffee Time podcast with Diverse Love. I am Denise. And I'm Brian. Get your coffee or whatever your cup of joy is and settle in for some bold conversations, some random topics, a few cuss words, and a whole lot of us. Brian, let's go. This is Denise, and I am the other half here of Diverse Love. Mr. B is having the night off because I am here with two of my closest friends, um, Kim Seeley and Rolanda Janelle Webb. And we are going to be talking about tonight black history, black authors, diverse representation, and probably a whole lot of other stuff that may come up to the plate, but we're just so excited. This is our first official guest on the Truth and Coffee Time podcast. Clap it up, clap it up. I'm so excited for them, and uh, I'm just excited that they're here. They're giving me spirit fingers and all types of black girl magic and black girl feels, so uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to them so they can introduce themselves and to also tell you a little bit about who they are. So my first guest is Kim C. Lee. Can you give us a little bit about who you are and anything else you want to tell us? Hi, my name is Kim C. Lee and I am a children's book author from Maryland. I'm also a creative coach helping other children's book authors with um, content creation and other creative activities. Um, to date, I've written three books, the third one being co-authored with Denise here. And I'll be um, working on a fourth one and some other creative projects in the near future. Thank you, Kim. And Rolanda, would you like to introduce yourself as well? I will introduce the correct version of me. I am right. Rolanda Janelle. Rolanda Janelle. Yes, all the way from the South. So if you hear a little twang, I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I am also a children's book author, and I've written one book. The second one is in pushing the illustrator stage. So, what's the name of what's the name of your first two books, Kim? Uh, the first book is called The Night Owl. It's a bedtime story that features um, my son. Actually, it was written and inspired for him. And my second book is called Meet Frankie Jordan, and that was inspired by my niece's artistic journey. And the name of your book, MJ. And and Melinda yes. goes by MJ. So yes. If you hear us call her. MJ's. It's easier. I am the goat. Go with it. Don't look on to the side. I'm the goat all day, baby. Yes. So my book is called I'm Best as Me and I feature my four nephews as just a way of being able to say my aunt did something for me. So they better not ask me for nothing else in life because I wrote a book about them. So you done. How was your trip? How was your flight from? Because um, MJ has come to us from the south, as she said. Yeah. Um, from Louisiana, flown all the way into um, D.C. I would love to say that she did that just for us to be on this podcast, but I think she had other business in the area, but yes. we took advantage of it. We sure did because the flight was dedicated and paid for by my company, but I am here to see my friends, so 
taking a little night off to hang with them. Yep. And Kim, so for Kim Kim Lee, we have been friends, I always say 20 years, but she says that she don't think it's been that long. But I think it's been about 20 years that we've been friends. Don't we'll we? roll with it. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and count. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Try I think to figure it's been it out. About 20 years. I do think mm-hmm. it's been 20 years. And then MJ is a new friend of mine, actually yes. introduced to me through Kim. um Kim C. Lee. But um yeah. how long we've been friends? It's been like over a year now. Mm-hmm. It's been maybe two years. Her, yeah. You slid in I the slid DMs. in her DMs. <laughs> I'm she telling did. you, I slid in her DMs. Which is really, which is really crazy because Kim is very private. Really? And yeah, she's very private. She don't arbitrarily really reach out to DMs and things of that what? such. So she had to get, she had to have a good feeling about you. I yes, yeah. the energy that. had to be right. Mm-hmm. It yeah. had to be because Aww. she's super private. And for someone, someone to slide in her DMs, she has that stank face, and she's like, um, I know she didn't delete. No. Yeah. She no, it was answer. Yeah, did. it was really yeah. nice. It, I mean, she. I mean, that sounds like you were trying That's to call at me. Yeah, that's hospitality. Yeah, yeah, she reached out to see if I wanted to collaborate, and yeah. we went from there. And since then, we've been. Talking and she asked me for my number first. Well, you got that good energy. That I good did, because she was like, okay, look, we're going back and forth on um, IG. Let's just talk. Let's mm-hmm. just talk. Let's and just I was talk. like, come on, girl. And how has that collaboration been so far? Because y'all pulled me in to yeah. it as well. I mean, you you two still have a lot more going on. Right, right. But me jumping in, because I love collaborating. Because you mother-in-law, in. Okay, mother-in-law. <laughs> go, ahead and, go ahead and explain to them why you keep calling me your mother-in-law. Denise is my mother-in-law because I am dating her son. He's going to hear it later, and he's going to um, make sure he acknowledges the fact we are dating. We are together. But does he know that? He will know after tonight. <laughs> and she's going to be right here. No, she's not going to be right here calling me no goddamn mother-in-law. Well, if the shoe fit. <laughs> I can't wear it. It's too little. You don't have no shoes on night. <laughs> so how is Black History for you guys? I know we are uh, gearing toward the end. Although Black History for us is always every day, yeah. um, but how has been how has Black History Month been for you? How have you celebrated this month thus far? Um, this month was different for me because at work with me being over DEI, I introduced which is a new platform on your job. Yes, okay. it's a new platform. First mm-hmm. credit union in Louisiana to have a DEI person employee and. I took the time to introduce some financial facts Mm -hmm. that are recent to Louisiana about black history. So that was interesting because it kind of opens people's eyes up to say, you know what, it's still going on. Yeah. So it's not just back in whatever. Right, right. It's still happening. So black history for you this month didn't just carry the weight of you celebrating on your own, but it Mm -hmm. carried the weight of now you showing others at your job the opportunities that are, and not just for black people. But for our white allies, our mm-hmm. non-color, you know, non-black allies to show how that they can infuse black history into their life. Yeah. You're going to learn this today. You're going to learn this today. My husband, he feels the same way. So Mr. B will tell you in a minute that black history is a month that celebrates um, our African-American culture, which we should celebrate all year. Mm-hmm. But he says it's also a chance for those who for those who are not black who are shy the other 11 months of the year to really step up and do something and get inducted into what black history is all about right right so shout out mr b shout out to mr b that's my that's my mm, mm. that's father-in-law 
Kim, so <laughs> how has Black History Month been for you this month? How have you celebrated, which I know from just being your friend that this is something you celebrate every day, all day, but in particularly uh, for February, how have you celebrated? Um, so for me personally, I know for Black History, one of the things I've been doing is really trying to orient my son to more information about figures in black mm -hmm. history. So at home, we've been reading individual stories about certain individuals. And then also, I guess from an authoring perspective, I know I changed up my profile this entire month to be brown. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's brown. Um, and I sought to highlight people from this area, the DMV area, who have had some influence both past and current, newer people right. that have had influence more so because Typically for black history, we always look back. A lot of people focus on slavery, um, but I didn't necessarily want to focus on that. I wanted to focus on the positive thing. And when we do talk about slavery, mm -hmm. making sure that we have people understand that it's not that we were, we were slaves, like we were enslaved, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we weren't born that way. So it's important to recognize and teach, you know, the younger generation the proper way to um, refer to it. And then also I team with some other authors, including you, Denise, in this area as we prep for um, a black children's book read aloud at the Sandy Springs Slave Museum and African Art um, Gallery. So that will be coming out on February 28th. I think by the time this podcast release, it'll be out there. You can view it on YouTube and Facebook. And then the other thing we're doing is having a Q&A session with individuals in the publishing industry, mm -hmm. um, black businesses that can help other people get their books published. Um, so illustrators, editors, publishing consultants, et cetera. And then for me at work, I've also extended, I'm not as ingrained as you guys in the DE&I um, culture, but I've been working with the team at work to develop. We have some resources at work and to further develop those and to just share the ideas right. out, make people more conscious about what's going on. Right. And I think that's the biggest factor is just making them more conscious, making them aware. That's the first step of just being aware. You said something um, when you were explaining teaching your son, not just about the degradation and the enslavement part, but the things that to, are to be celebrated, the right. things that are be, being proud. I heard a mother at um, the school that my granddaughter goes to said that their daughter said she didn't want to celebrate black history this month, and she asked her why, and she said because all we learn about is the hurt and the pain mm -hmm. of black people. And she says, it's like you're being reminded over and over that we were oppressed and it's depressing. Mm -hmm. And you know, like what, where's that flip side of celebrating the royalty of who we are? Right. You know, the things that we do that are so outstanding, the part that is separate from the degradation and the mm -hmm. enslavement. So I think when you said that, it's like a light bulb. We have to make sure that we give our kids the balance yep. of education. Another thing, too, is that I was on a virtual um, listening to our grandchildren get taught uh, when we first, the first year we went into COVID, mm -hmm. and there were two white teachers teaching them a little bit of education around black history. It was very noticeable that they didn't know black history mm -hmm. and they didn't oh, understand wow. it. They were stumbling through it. And I just felt like they didn't give it enough care to even find out so they can teach the kids. I literally walked over to my grand joy and I interrupted the teacher because they were on virtual. And I said, no, you know, this is Shirley Chisholm. 
this is Martin Luther King Jr. Right. This is the things that they've done. Because I wanted my, my I could see my grandchild turning a deaf ear and getting like, and I wanted her to be excited. Right. You cannot be excited if they're not teaching you the excitement of who we are. Yeah. So there's a um an educator in Virginia, mm-hmm. actually, Antoinette Dempsey Waters. I think I recently did a post about her. But she is someone in this area who created an African American um history, I guess I don't know if it, curriculum, mm-hmm. I guess, and it's now being taught in several schools, but it does that. It seeks to highlight the positives, not necessarily the hurt and so forth, as you mentioned. So if anyone is online, I'd definitely check her out. She's local here in um, the DMV area, and she's re- someone that I recently learned about. Yeah. So so with you, um, MJ, you were saying that now you have a bigger platform, mm-hmm. and you're not just responsible for your own you know, education of Black history, but others on your job because the platform. What do you think is one of the most important things to teach or to offer to allies or to to people who are or not black who want to understand black history? What have you found that has helped you? First, I think the rel um, the relevance of where it comes from and what is going on around us mm-hmm. that applies to like inventions. I think of that or just being aware of like the spelling bee when there's the first black you know girl that won the spelling bee right. just things like that because the world we live in now they don't respond to anything unless it's relevant mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if it's nothing or, or it's controversial yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. so you have to point those out and like kim said you can't go back like start with now what's going on now and then right. if a person is intrigued then you keep going back further and further and show why it's important mm-hmm. but you have to kind of meet people where they are right Right. And so that's why it was important to start off with like financial fact. You but know, do you think the on? ownership? But do you think the ownership lies on us as black as a black community to teach non-black people our our ways or educate them about black history? Do you think that that responsibility lies on us completely? It depends on the person because mm-hmm. some people are not gonna they're not gonna teach it to you correctly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I look at it like you don't want to just go to a restaurant and the chef is not cooking. Hmm. Mm. So, yes, it's our history. It's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. So ownership around our black history, because sometimes I feel like, um, and this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I'm all about educating our allies. I'm all about educating champions. And I learned that really from my husband. He mm-hmm. has really been a, a foothold for me to kind of step in there and say, oh, okay, this is why right. you think such and such. Because it's not a black thing. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. But I also find that when people of non-color sometimes make a mistake, mm-hmm. then they look to you and then they become the victim. And I think that I think that's where the line gets blurred for me yeah. because it's not my place to ensure that you feel okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I do understand if the chef is not cooking, you can't eat. Yeah. But don't, don't come in there and bring the but wrong fork and expect me to... To teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some things you should know already. Right. And I use the example of I did a, um, a conference and I was on one of the panelists and I had to explain why when a black female speaks and our voice gets loud, it's a passion thing. It's mm-hmm. not a, oh, I'm yelling at you, but it's like, why do I have to explain that to you? Mm-hmm. I'm not the first black female you've come across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's not my responsibility. But, I mean, if I'm in a financial industry and I want to teach that part of black history, I'll teach it to you all day, but I'm not going to break down everything for you. Right. So. Now, uh, sticking in that vein of black history, who in black history, Kim, past or present, 
has made the most impact on your life? And why do you think that? I would not personally, I don't know if I would look to historical figures because I didn't know them. I mean, we read about them, we know mm-hmm. about them and so forth. So I would say people in my immediate family and reach, people mm-hmm. that I have grown up around or been exposed to. Um, someone who really had an impact was this woman named Blanche Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, one of the first jobs I got was in a human resource. They used to call it personnel back then. But she was an administrative assistant there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't used to seeing black people in the office space, right? You were yeah. used to seeing them elsewhere and so forth. Yeah. So to see her working in this office space and inviting me in and teaching me and then exposing me to different things, you know, I think that kind of set a precedence for the type of environment that I wanted to work in in the future. And she nurtured me. Like, I knew her for a really long time. She passed away sometime after I graduated from high school. But she really nurtured me mm-hmm. during that time period, high school school while I was in college and so forth and introduced me to different people and so forth. I'd also say um, my mom and my stepmom, I I think I'm surrounded by by a lot of strong black women Mm -hmm. and all in different, working in different ways, um, different backgrounds and so forth. So for me personally, from a black history standpoint, it's not necessarily you know, our historical figures. They've done great things. Right, absolutely. But the immediate absolutely. impact and having someone in close range that you can actually put your hands on is more impactful to me than seeing someone or learning or reading about someone who is not quite in reach. Yeah. Same question to you, MJ. Do you feel the same way or do you Most have definitely. Because a- when you think about it, I've had, like, that question before and it's like, but I don't know those people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anything about them besides what they tell us mm-hmm. or what they expose to us. And for me, it was my fourth grade teacher. She's deceased now. But I can just remember being in her class and a lot of teachers would say, why are you walking around with Melinda all the time? Or why is Melinda able to do this, this, and this? And she, like, kept enforcing me, Melinda, you can do whatever you want to. Like, you don't have to follow the norms. You don't have to do, you know, if you've done all your work for the day if I want to walk to the teacher's lounge and you want to walk with me come on let's go Mm -hmm. so she just like took this I don't know this personal interest in me and she just she was like okay you're ahead on this subject so go read this or you know she kept challenging me so I I do um I do love that you guys bring it current you bring it forward because I've had this question posed to other people I've been on panels and I I hear them say oh you know I aspire to be Maya Angelou I aspire to be you know Martin Luther King I aspire and I always think the inspiration or aspiration for their greatness is there undeniable right but who in your life that you have actually physically been around and just kind of sat and and learned and listened and they've Mm -hmm. kind of taken you on your way and something as simple for me I remember when I lived in Italy and I met this this lady over there who was a chef black lady who was a chef and I was just now starting to really learn cooking and learning how cooking really is more of a of an emotion and and more of a of a, something that you have to put love into. I was right. just cooking to feed the family, and mm-hmm. sometimes it come out good, sometimes it didn't. Right. And I was with her one day, and I just saw her, and it was like she was floating to music, mm-hmm. cooking. You know, and I used to see that with my grandmother, but I was young. 
and I didn't understand it. I didn't it. understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't have time to learn. I wanted to be in the streets. You know what I mean? Come on. Here I am now with a family. I gotta know. I gotta know how to cook. Right. And I'm just literally cooking, and it was hit or miss. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And I go to Italy, and I meet this this black lady, young lady, and I'm watching her cook. She's a chef, and it was like you could see music notes coming. Man, she was butterflying around that kitchen, and just the things she was doing. And I I remember befriending her and asking her could she teach me one simple thing how to fry chicken because she would fry the chicken and the chicken looked like it belonged in a magazine it was so pretty and I said would you teach me how to fry chicken she ended up teaching me how to fry chicken how to make macaroni and cheese just all these kind of things but the way she taught me it was like someone teaching you how to play an instrument how to to do music almost and and I just feel like she made such an impact on my life. And when you said it sounds simple, it's just chicken. You know, mm-hmm. all black people supposed to know how to fry chicken, but that's deeper not true. That. Yeah. Right. It's so much deeper than that. She took yeah. the time out mm-hmm. with me. And um, so I think about things like that, something as simple as that. And I think we forget yeah. that we have our own black heroes right here in our backyard. Mm-hmm. And because what they teach us is so simple, we disregard. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I totally agree with you. Can you teach me how to fry chicken? Yeah, I can teach you. I can teach you how to fry chicken. As your friend, though, not as your mother-in-law. I'll tell you next question. (laughs) (laughs) So, now that we're talking about all our great (laughs) black um, uh, celebrities and educators, let's talk about you guys as being um, a black author. Tell me uh, a little bit about your author and your writing journey and how it led you to write your first children's book, Kim. I think I discovered a love of writing, a real love of writing. You know, every, we do it every day or whatever, but a real love of writing in high school. Um, something about it, I just enjoyed it, uh, figuring out what words to use with what, making sense of certain, um, like you would read books and you have to write papers around books and the themes and so forth. And I really enjoyed that because you can go deeper into what they're trying to say in the book versus what is um, just written on the page. So I found that I enjoyed that. But as far as actually publishing a book that didn't come until later um and I really ended up doing that because I wanted to create a gift for my son I've always loved to read um I remember when I was pregnant with him one of the first things I did was start building a library so while other people were worried about cribs and like clothing and diapers I was like I must have a library for him so I selected a whole bunch of books and during that process I found that I couldn't find a whole bunch of books that featured African-American characters no one that looked like him it was important for me to get him something where he could look at and he can relate to. Mm-hmm. So later on, when I had the opportunity, pandemic rolled in, I got a little bit more time. You know, by then he had certain habits and so forth. Um, but by then I was like, you know, this is the time. And I had a friend who um, pushed me forward to go ahead and publish that book. But that first book was really a love gift for him. I never had any t- intent to sell it to anyone. Um, it was just supposed to be put out there for him, something he would always see out there. And then I just found it relatable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen so many talk about the night Alan had. Oh my gosh, yes. that's my child. Yeah, he won't go to sleep. He creeping up the hallway. Right, you know. <laughs> That, that's, I'm not sleepy. Yeah, yes. that's my nine-year-old granddaughter. She will wait right till we go to sleep, yeah. creep out of her room, and you hear her open our door and they go creep. You know, <laughs> and, you hear, you know and I'm laying there because y'all know I sleep light. Yeah. And, I'm yeah. and I'm like, what is this noise? Yeah, and I right. and I'll hear the noise and then I'll see the shadow and I'll just lift the cover like, come on, lay down. Like really, <laughs> we everybody knows that you're here, but right. definitely yeah. relatable as the mm-hmm. night out. 
And how did you come across um, writing Frankie Jordan? So, um, as I mentioned before, that one's inspired by my niece. Um, my niece is an art lover. I can remember back to when she was really young. She was just always interested in art. I don't know if you remember Denise, but she actually came. For those of you who don't know, Denise and I at one point worked together. And my niece came to the office as part of Bring Your Child to Work Day. And she followed me around to meetings. Um, she observed. She was very observant. Um, but then she took PowerPoint and she created this whole slide deck with just things that she had saw during the day. She wrote about the people that she had talked to and so forth. But it wasn't presented as um, just like squares and stuff. She was so much more artistic with it. And I think later that extended to illustration. So she loves illustration and she continues to do it to this day. But I watched her as she was younger. She would be the little girl that preferred to stay in the house and draw where other little kids like to go outside and play or whatever and you know they look at her a little bit weird or say things to her about why don't you want to come outside but she stuck with it you know she was confident enough to stick with it and I think our family nurtured it um so I thought it was important to not only show her that I was proud of her but to also write a story that shows other young black creatives that you know if you're into something like this it's fine it's it's great um and you should continue with it I think it's even more important because as a society we tend to place um heavier weight on positions that are considered, I guess, more solid. So technology, accounting, foundational doctoring, et cetera. And there's not much thought about the arts. Um, If you even look at schools, when they look at funding and so forth, arts, the arts is one of those things where the money is taken from first. So I thought it was important to show these kids that what they're doing is worthwhile and that, you know, they are appreciated and they have a voice, um, but also that big confidence piece. And most importantly, that because my niece is black, you know, there's someone that looks like you, other black children that also fall into this category. And you can see, you know, they, again, they can relate to someone that they see. And she did a a little bit of illustration in that book, in the Frankie Jordan book, right? No, actually in the Night Owl. In the the Night Owl. Yeah, she did some illustration in the Night Owl. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to get her to do more, but now she's too busy for me. (laughs) Off in college. Aren't they they all? Yeah. She's like, I don't know about it. But, um, But yeah, she did. She did some of the illustrations in the first book. Same question for you, MJ. How did this journey lead you to writing your first children's book? Mm-hmm. Well, I like the way Kim said it was a love project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, I did not like to read. I did not like writing. <laughs> <laughs> so go figure. I'm an author. But I mean, I didn't start loving to read until middle school. And my mom did that. But for the book itself... I do not have kids, so I wanted my nephews to have something, like I said earlier, that they can always say, my aunt did this for me. And so the four characters are literally my nephews. That's their middle names, that's their personalities, but I wanted them to say, hey, I can read. And I always hear, boys don't like to read, boys don't like to read. Well, my thing is, give them something to read. Right. Give them something interesting, because my 15-year-old grandjoy reads. Not He's been reading since he was six and he mm-hmm. reads chapter books and mm-hmm. novels and if you take him on a long trip and give him a trilogy he'll read all, if it's interesting but it has to be to interesting him. to, to them. them yeah to not them. to you you can't that's mm-hmm. the thing you don't you can't give a child and say oh this is a good book or it's good to you mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. really to capture them, them. right so i agree with you yeah so i was like i have to give them something to read and even to this day like they walk around i'm best as me i'm best as me mm-hmm. but i had to give them something to read so i wrote a book and i'm basing my series off of them and i'm teaching them things that i want them to learn because mm-hmm. so many times in life like i wish somebody would have told me Marlon, to just be yourself 
Melana, be yourself. Melana, be yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to copy. But would you have known what that meant? I at would a young have. Age, I'm still know, trying to, to learn yourself. it. It's somewhere. I mean, it's a starting point, right? Yeah. It's a starting point, and I think that your that your theme is very foundational, mm-hmm. right, yeah. for children. But starting them young mm-hmm. and getting them in the right mind, especially today, you know, with all the uh, so all the things they see on social media and right. influence and stuff like that, if they have someone that solidifies that at home or reinforces it, I, I definitely think that's such a positive thing. And, yeah. and your book like speaks to that. Yeah. Um. I, what I also find is um your nephews and I, I see that my son they take pride. Yes. Mm-hmm. They take pride in having something that was created oh and has yes. their image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, and they're more willing to share it, and yes. they're probably proud of you too. Yeah, they probably love the fact that their aunt created them. They don't and, do it sometimes. And, and seeing you, it's all about them right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's my book. Like, uh, you did not write this. You did not publish this. Like, goodness, but no. And that's how I met Kim because I was literally looking for mm-hmm. another author that wrote about boys, and I saw The Night Owl. Were you looking for another author, or were you looking for a black author? That wrote about where you oh just no! I was looking. Author. I initially was like, I'm just trying to find an author, like yeah. somebody that writes about boys, like yeah. just out there that writes about boys. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when I saw Kim, I was just like, Oh wait, this is a black author mm-hmm. that writes about boys, yeah. and that was the okay. It's just us. Like yeah. there's nobody else out there that has a book just about boys. And I tell people this everywhere I go. You cannot find representation for boy books. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's hard. It's or, so you see hard. Her personification of animals all the time. Like it's oh, more everywhere. Princesses and animals. Um, yeah. Princesses. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean nothing wrong against girl books, but I'm just like, come on, boys do read if we give them something, something interesting to read. To read. Yes. Well you just hit on something about uh, the representation of black authors in their books. So mm-hmm. as you know black writers um, are definitely writing but Black represented books are only 5.8% of the books that are written by black authors. So as a black author myself and sitting here with you, um, two beautiful black authors, how important is it for you to change that narrative? And you're hitting on that just a little bit as you're seeking out Mm -hmm. others. But when you think about in the in the United States, black people are only 13% of the of the population. Mm -hmm. And then of that number, only 5.8% are black authors. Mm -hmm. And then of that number, it's even a smaller percentage that are uh, black people represented in books. Mm -hmm. So how important is it to either of you to continue the role to help change that narrative? I think it's very important. And if we just kind of go back a little bit, so there are black authors who write books with black characters. Mm-hmm. I think the numbers you reference are for traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, for self-publishing, you know, since I have started my authoring journey, I have met so many people, so many people, so many black authors who are writing books with black characters. Absolutely. And they just don't have the visibility. I think it comes down, it's, it's very economical, right? It comes down to the dollar. Mm-hmm. So if traditional publishing houses have more black authors and represented or could sell, mm-hmm. they felt like they could sell these books with black representation, the characters and so forth, and you would see them more. Right. But they don't take them on. They don't probably don't see them as a, a good sell. Maybe you get a few here and there and so forth. And kudos to those who are doing it, but they're not taking more of them on because they don't see them as significantly marketable or someone that they can make a lot of money from. But we exist and we're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important because if you're going to a larger bookstore, in, in store especially, and you have kids with you or you have other adults and they 
they don't see these books, they probably are stunted and aspiring to be some of these things that are represented in the books or thinking my story is not story worthy. Mm-hmm. I always tell my son that enough. right that his his story or what's happening to him is story worthy. And I know when I write, I want to write stories about true things, not the princesses and so forth. But right. take the real stories, like the lessons that you write, mm-hmm. um, MJ, and then present them because they're more realistic. That's it's right. not Absolutely. aliens or whatever else. But I think those stories are more impactful mm-hmm. um, to the people, especially children reading them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a woman who that works with a nonprofit. Literally, she told me that she didn't know there were more black authors. And here she is in our area. She's in the DMV area. We are surrounded yeah. by authors, black yeah. authors writing black books. And she had no clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so to, to preference that question, when I when I quoted those percentage, those are traditional. traditional yes. Those are actual authors that are getting paid by a publishing. Yes. House. yes. Because our self-publishers they don't have visibility in mm-hmm. those metrics right. because we are self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Right. Wishing someone could change that narrative because I think those numbers would clearly exceed the numbers of a traditional publisher. And I think, too, there's a problem with our publishing houses because they don't take the chance mm-hmm. on our black authors as they should. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not even sure that... Um and changing the number for the traditional mm-hmm. publishing, I'm not sure if that's really the answer. There's a lot of freedom in self-publishing. You know, not saying that it's a bad thing, but as I've learned, and I could be wrong, but I know when you, or I've, I've heard from other people who work with traditional publishers, that you you lose control. Mm-hmm. Some not fully, but you lose some creative control over the yeah. process. So the character that you write may be changed yeah. to something yeah. else, and not fully embody or represent the person that you wanted them to present because they need to be more marketable. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we're going to look at numbers, it needs to be inclusive of self-publishing or, you know, that trade-off. There is no visibility into that that metrics. Mm -hmm. And if we had those, what what I'm saying is if we had those, because I'm a numbers person, I'm a data person, if we had those, those Mm -hmm. numbers would shout out a little bit more yes. for us and it would represent yeah. you know who we are in the black author community because just for me being in this first book I have met so many black authors and I'm living right here in the DMV and didn't know they were mm-hmm. there yeah yeah and, and now my children's book um population at home has went from you know a little bit to a lot to a lot and it's 90 percent self-published good stories local authors telling amazing stories Mm -hmm. about self-awareness about self-love about hair love about little black boys being Mm -hmm. themselves about the joy of great i mean just they're telling stories, stories that are reachable for mm-hmm. our kids, you yeah. know, and we're missing out on it. I think the other part to that, too, and this comes up sometimes, is you get a book that has a black character, but it's not written by a black person. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, I know we've had interviews before mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. someone's like, well, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And it's great that there's representation, but I do sometimes wonder if, again, going back to economics, if there was someone writing that book and they said, oh, no, we need, especially now with diversity, it's like some people consider it like the hot thing, right? So did you write this book in one way and then you changed it so that it could become marketable to meet what's hot now, Mm -hmm. you know, in that sense? Yeah. And I think that's a little bit dangerous if people are doing that because- how are you accurately representing what the character may be exposed to? Yeah. Now, do I think it can be done where you're you're not 
black and not a black author and you can represent that yes but i think you need to do the the best um research Mm -hmm. or you know Mm -hmm. talk to certain people just really get the information you need to properly write the story versus just changing the color of the character so that it sells and that took me right into what i was going to say about i said um culture and color are defined very different and because of this it's super important that our black authors write about our black children but that's not to say a non-black author cannot write about a black a black child, but homework should be done to capture the cultural essence of our community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how how do they try and cap, capture that cultural essence? They have to do their homework right. because it's way more than just color. It's mm-hmm. our culture. Right. You know, I heard Denzel Washington saying that he was doing a movie, and he said um, Mark Serzinski could have did this movie for him. Mm-hmm. Stephen King could have directed this movie for him, but he needed a black director to capture the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if I sit here and I say to you, Kim, oh my gosh, Kim, remember uh, back in the day when your mama used to hot comb your hair and, and the grease would pop and you mm-hmm. get those little <laughs> hot rings on your neck? You, that's our culture. You would right. completely understand, understand what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't even have to say all those words right. for you to understand. But someone mm-hmm. who's not in our culture would be looking at us like, you put hot combs in your hair? Like, like what? what? Yeah. You yeah. know, they wouldn't understand mm-hmm. it. So it's more than just them putting a black character in a book. But that black character has to be relatable and realistic, mm-hmm. you know, to our cultural essence. So mm-hmm. I totally agree um, with that. Is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. MJ? I feel like reading just in general is not a hot topic. Like mm-hmm. just and I mean not to take it away from black authors, but reading is not a big topic. And then just the help and then the research and the knowledge that comes with writing a book. There's so many people that don't know what it takes to write a book. So even if you don't look at traditional numbers versus self-published authors, like there's so much work that in that's entailed either way. I mean, mm-hmm. because if you're, let's just say I'm going to use myself. Even if I go the traditional route, I still have to market my own book. I still Absolutely. have to push it out. Yeah. And books don't get popular until they become a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. we're already fighting those numbers as well. So that's why, personally, I take pride in telling people, hey, contact me through a DM or, you know, reach out to me on any of my platforms Mm -hmm. so that I can help you. Because if you don't know, you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And I met someone recently and she was just like, I thought writing a book, it was just going to take like all of this work. Mm -hmm. So she was holding a story inside of her and she's written the story, but she hasn't published it because she thought it took like an act of Congress to even get the book published. Mm-hmm. So there's also traditional public, you know, traditional authors, there's self-published authors, and those authors that who don't even have their books out. Mm-hmm. So in order to change the numbers, we gotta kinda help those who are not yeah. published. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do. I so do. even with just that, that can, you know, lift the numbers. It can as be, well. And that can be daunting too. Yeah. You know, I took a course called um, Write Your Book with um, Julian B. Kaganda, and I just remember before I took that course, I always knew I wanted to write a book. I just mm-hmm. didn't know where to start. Right. And it seemed like it was a huge ocean. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, yes. I haven't, I can't drink all this water. I right. You know what I'm saying? And I right. just, it was so, um, just daunting to me, like overwhelming to me that I put it on the back burner. Right, right. And I was able to take her course 
And the way it was laid out, it was like, oh, I can do this. I mm -hmm. really can do this. And when me and Kim start writing Grand Joy, and she was literally following those steps pretty yeah. much because she had went through it with her first two books. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it wasn't foreign to me. Now, right. the process might have been foreign because I hadn't been through it yet. Mm -hmm. But the naming and how she was going, it was just like, okay, I got this. It's clicking. So I think we have to invest in ourselves, yes. too. You know, yeah. because mm -hmm. that, that course was not... You know, it was it was not cheap, but mm -hmm. it was an invest. It's the same thing with with podcasting. Right. Me and my husband, we've invested. We've taken courses. We take master classes. We pay a monthly fee just to be a part of a podcast community that we can bounce questions off of every mm -hmm. month because we're investing in ourselves. And I think when we feel like there's some complexities around it or it's daunting, invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Invest in yourself. I said something to Kim one time. I was like, Kim, I'm gonna take this podcast master class and. I said something about the cost, and she said, "Well, pay it." Right, right. You want to do it? Right. You want to do it right? Pay it. Pay it. Yeah, invest in yourself. You know, you you go buy Starbucks every day. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Go yes. pay it. Yes. So I have one last question for you guys, just to stay in the vein of diverse representation. How can literature in our schools play a bigger part or a bigger role in helping to teach the next generation the importance of diverse representation? And I know that we say that it comes from us within as the black community, but we got to just be realistic. Our kids are in school, you know, 70, 80 percent of the day. And how can schools, you know, kind of help? you know, put that role in place to help with that diverse representation. Because right now, a lot of schools have missed the mark on that. Mm -hmm. Almost. A lot of them has missed the mark. Um, Like, especially since I've stepped into more of a culture-type realm when it comes to my everyday job, I get a generous amount of PTO time. Mm -hmm. So I find opportunities to just go to schools and speak to kids. Mm -hmm. um, teachers want a break. They don't get paid enough, so they want any type of person to come in and talk. I will go do readings for kids. I'll go talk about financial literacy. But just that representation of there's a black woman that's standing in front of mm -hmm. me. And she is talking and it's just like, how did you do that? Or where did this come from? Right. And it's just, I came from the same background you came from. I grew up in the same school system you grew up in. But just being that face. Because nowadays, people like that reality. They like to be able to see it. They want something that's tangible. Right. Like Kim said, that... That person that related to me or who influenced me was around me. It mm -hmm. wasn't somebody I read about in mm -hmm. a book. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of meet people where they are. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's. I think that's there. a good. I think that's a good start where teachers can bring in black authors mm -hmm. to show diverse representation. That's a big step to bring in. I know when uh, one of my granddaughters elementary school, I used to go in and do reading time mm -hmm. before I even wrote a book. Right. I would go in and sit and I would read books to mm -hmm. them and I would have to send the teacher the book I'm going to read ahead of time so they can vet it and I would always do like I did the, you know, uh, my black hair or my curly right. hair or who right. I am and I would read books like that and these kids would sit there and most of it is majority um, white kids it would be probably like an 80-20% ratio mm -hmm. But they would sit there and listen, and they had tons of questions. Right. They had tons of questions about the little black girl in that book, and what, and why is her hair like that? And mm -hmm. like they want to know. Like kids are so insightful, and they engage yeah. so much better mm -hmm. than adults do most mm -hmm. times. Oh, yeah, they just want to learn. Yeah. They want to know. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Same question for you, Kim. How do you think our education system can play a bigger role in bringing diverse representation to the education system to our schools? For our kids. 
I think it starts with re-examining the curriculum. If you think back to when you were in school, a lot of the work that you did was centered around some sort of resource, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of it was reading resources. But if you look at the population in your school or those around and what's going on in the world and so forth, if you if you want people to know more about the people in the world, right. you have to modify the curriculum so that it actually reflects that. So just reconsider what they've been doing. You know, sometimes people have that thought of, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing because it's been working, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's not really working. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. just it's just easier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So just re-examining how you're teaching. Is there another resource that could represent more people mm-hmm. um, in this way? And not just, you know, black people, but also, you know, people with disabilities or, Absolutely. you know, mm-hmm. there's a whole, there's so many different, you guys both know there's so many different ways that we can define diversity and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But if you, if they can consider that and kind of look across the spectrum and not limit it to, you know, one silo of things. If you mm-hmm. truly want to do that, you have to open it up and look beyond that. Um, I also agree with you guys regarding going and do read alouds mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. forth. But I'm also finding as I advance in my authoring journey that there are teachers who are connecting with authors, mm. yes. right? So yeah. connect with the author who knows the author. And they're, they're not necessarily, again, always all authors are black, but you authors tend to have a network. Yes. So if you can bring one in, they may know someone else who can bring someone else in. Mm-hmm. If there's an author... Um, community or professional organization, you know, seek out other people that will make your population diverse so that when you become that resource, there's more to choose from. Mm -hmm. You know, we in the workplace, again, you guys are both working in this field, but if you think about in the workplace, all the initiatives that are going on to provide visibility on the statistics and so forth and, um, like what your workforce looks like in comparison mm-hmm. to whatever, what we need to do to do better. Absolutely. We, our right. goals are to hire this many people. Our goals are to improve our hiring and practices. change that, that slate to that Right. Person. So yeah. if you apply yeah. the same logic to the school system, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that would be helpful too. I think one of the things that school systems also struggle with, and as you talk about young black males reading, mm-hmm. is having black male teachers. Right. Absolutely. So again, bringing them in yeah. and finding qualified candidates that can do that but you know to come in and then be that voice mm-hmm. and share it I think that it, again it'll make it more relatable you see someone that looks like you that is teaching you something you can aspire to be it something about them draws you in so mm-hmm. it's it's a plethora of things right resourcing mm-hmm. on all different levels mm-hmm. um, one thing you said about if you know seeing someone that looked like them especially our black males and you both talk about that and it is just so you know so key um, two things I want to say about that is that my oldest grand, Joy, he plays soccer. And he's been playing soccer, I believe, since he was nine. And he's very gifted, traveled, you know, international to play soccer. But he's always been taught soccer by Hispanic coaches mm-hmm. or Latino um, coaches and a, a couple of white coaches. But he's always, but he's excelled. He's done very good. And a few years ago, we, right before COVID, about a year and a half, two years before COVID, we, he tried out an audition for, I mean, uh, did trials for another team. This team had some young black coaches on there. And this black coach picked him up on his team. I don't know how to explain the change in my son. And I'm almost getting emotional because it was so visible that it was like, we missed the boat. Yeah. We missed it. 
We miss it because we, first of all, we're not a soccer family. We're football, basketball, so we're learning the sport. Right, right. But he was doing so good in the sport that we thought, oh, my gosh, he's excelling. He's doing great. And then all of a sudden, he gets this black coach, and he's doing better than better. And not only is he doing better than better, but he has this connection with the coach that is so profoundly, like, exposed to us that it brought my husband to tears because my husband was the one who took him to the black coach because he's, as a white man, he comes to me and he says, Trayvon needs to see the black male that he can be in this sport. Yes. You know what I'm saying? How'd I miss that? Yeah, so it related. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I can do this. How did I miss that though? Mm -hmm. You know, and he, and these two black coaches, they, they don't coach him anymore. He's going on now to a higher um, level, but they are still connected. Yeah. They call yeah. him. They check on him. He has one-on-one trainings with them. When they travel international to play soccer, they come and get him. And expose wow. him to and more stuff. And expose him to... And when they took him over, like he played in Costa Rica, they brought in professional black soccer players mm-hmm. to come and talk to them. And those soccer players not only talk to him about soccer, but they also talk to them about racism mm-hmm. uh, of black soccer players on the, in these professional fields. Mind-blowing. Yeah. How do we get, and I'm saying that to say we get so comfortable yeah. in seeing our kids excel. We forgot or we forget that they need to see themselves. Selves. Yes, their representation. You know what I'm saying? Because right now they're excelling on sheer gift. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this is just my gift. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh, I actually can do this. Mm-hmm. I can be this. You know what I mean? It was, the change was just phenomenal. It really was. Um, my husband, the second thing I want to say about that is Mr. B always says that as a white male, we have two sons. And he can teach his sons how to be a man, but he can't teach them how to be a black man. You know what I mean? There's a profound cultural difference. And even though Mr. B was raised more in our culture, he's still a white male. And so he surrounds himself with with black male friends he trusts. Mm-hmm. that he trusts to advise his his sons. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he has two Mason brothers that he'll call on to say, I need you to talk to B. Right. I need, I need you to help me out with P. I need mm-hmm. you to, to talk with them. He, and I think that is a big step for an ally champion. Mm-hmm. You know that you can't do it culturally. But let me find but somebody. But let's find somebody yeah. who can, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that is such um, profound. I'm so happy that you guys sat down with me. This is so good for me. I was nervous at first because y'all Uh-oh. know y'all my. Why? Because we went from giggles form. to more serious. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! I wasn't. Uh, I was not. Off. Yeah, I wasn't sure we was gonna get through this. <laughs> I'm always crying. Like I can't get through a podcast oh, lately. You wanna cry, with that, You know what? Don't call me. Mama. <laughs> Don't you call me. Mama. You're not allowed. To call me mama. <laughs> I'm gonna be a uh, maid of honor. Could you see why you're my sister? See why you see? All in the family. No, we're in this no, together. Yes. No, yeah. no. Representation. No, 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 no. No, we're already kind of related now. How? Cuz. Cuz. We no, you and I, because of Tiff. Yes, because of Tiff, we are. And so then I had to come in and get some kind of you know, relationship. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. You know, ladies, I, love you for real. I do love you for real. <laughs> Let me try to stay on tag. <laughs> tell me, tell everyone, MJ, tell everyone where they can find you at. Again, let them know your current project and what's next on your, your list. Yeah. So you can find me at the Hendershot House. 
And when I'm not there, <laughs> when I am not there, I am going to, I'm on Instagram at Words in Web. I am on Facebook at Words and Web. Mm-hmm. I am on TikTok. I don't know how to use it, so help me. Help <laughs> you seen my first TikTok? I did. Bam. Can you show me how to use TikTok? Bam. Like, TikTok. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Words and Web. And currently, I have finished my second book that has yet to be named. It is in the illustration stage. And so I'm excited about that project. I'm excited to put some more male books out there for mm-hmm. young boys to read. I really, really like this second book that I don't have a name for yet. So That's I'm okay. working on it. I'm and and on while it. you're saying that, give your illustrator a shout a out. A shout out. Mm-hmm. Morgan is on IG. She's Morg, M-O-R-G underscore city. She's really, really good at what she does. She's been able to um, just take the words that I put on paper and bring them to life mm-hmm. for me because I am not creative as my... Um, counterpart Kim mm-hmm. is I cannot creative coach. I'm trying, y'all. Help your girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Help your girl, please. Kim, tell everybody where they can find you. Current projects, what's next, and give your illustrators a, a shout. You can find me on Instagram at Kim C. Lee Writes and also at Kim C. Lee Creates. Um, I have websites under the same names, Kim C. Lee Writes.com and Kim C. Lee Creates.com. I'm also on Facebook, same name. And you can also find me on YouTube. I started a YouTube channel and I'm starting to put some of my creative related videos out there. Uh, A lot of the night owl adventures. Um, I have real life night owl adventures that you guys can go out there and check out. And then as far as uh, future projects, I think more recently I've been leaning more to the creative side. So I teach Canva workshops and I do those monthly. Um, And soon, I expect it to launch it this month, but I have multiple projects, but I'm going to be starting a Canva community, which helps um, not only authors, but anyone who is looking to just get additional insight into Canva use. Um, They can come out and I'll be having these two meetings a month where you can get live interactive lessons and ask questions on use of the platform. Um, And then as far as books, um, I've been working on a book. I have not finished it. It's a follow up to The Night Owl. I was hoping to release it this year um but i have writer's block so that is to be determined Mm -hmm. um for when that comes out but i'm not going to stress over it and then who knows i may just start another project and i may just randomly announce something that comes out so we'll see thank you guys and lastly what is it in your cup i'm gonna tell you what i have before you guys tell me what's in your cup because by the the sound of you guys trying to be my maid of honors and and daughters-in-laws what's in your cup might not be what's in my cup but in my cup I have Colombian coffee um, medium roast from Angelino's and I have a splash just a splash liar (laughs) (laughs) not a splash more like a drown (laughs) of Kahlua in there it's just a splash a drown it's completely a splash like a tinkle no she all the way to the hips (laughs) Ain't no splash. Or no tinkle. Or no tinkle. The water up to her hips, y'all. <laughs> what you guys got in your cup? Um, I think I'm drinking a pink lemonade margarita, which is just about gone. Wait a minute. Pink lemonade. Is it pink lemonade that you add lemonade to? No. It what just... did you add to? Did you add something to it? I didn't know. No, I did not add any <laughs> sprinkle, tinkle, or splash of anything. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And what's in your cup? Uh, I would like to say limoncello, but it is not. You know what? 
am in the area. I'm just saying. But I have some. By the time this podcast air, you won't be in the you area. Won't be in the area. So I can be back. <laughs> What's in your cup, woman? Um, some black girl magic. Rose. Rose. Mm. For my How is husband's A. <laughs> How is that? How's the taste? It's it's good. Is it is it? Dry? It's real relaxed. It's is a it? it's a little dry, but mm. we can warm that up. We can wet it up, warm it up, whatever. <laughs> kinda, what? Kinda we can that? do something to it. Wait, I, I cannot. Before we um head out, I would just like to um tell MJ how Wait, proud did you I am. Out your illustrator first. Uh no. Okay, go ahead. I'll go ahead. So, so tell MJ. I just want to tell MJ how proud I am for shooting her shot. You know, as women, we mm-hmm. need to lean in and really take yes. what we want and we have to you know be strong and really Even you know you ask for what we want we do yes we do you have not because you ask not right but don't shoot your shot over to the Hendershot house uh, so. over at the Hendershot house this is not for Mr. B <laughs> but it's one of those uh, for one of those people that came from Mr. B <laughs> I am here just toleration I'm just tolerating come see this me. behavior come see me just tolerate this behavior like, I hope to see you before I go pull Pull up. up. (laughs) I'm gonna call you when this is over. (laughs) Thank you guys. I so appreciate y'all coming on the Truth and Coffee Time podcast. I love y'all with all my heart. Even with this new friendship with MJ, if I could keep her from my son, we will always be the best of friends. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank you. Only. 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 If you guys want to leave a review or comment, it's truthandcoffeetime at gmail.com. If you want to um, talk about our website, our blogs, or um, uh, take a peek at our shop, it is www. Exactly. <laughs> Are you I sure that's that. only a splash tinkle? <laughs> I do that for my husband. www.diverselove.com Also, um, Kim C. Lee and I have a brand new book called Grand Joy yes. that's out there. Um, it's beautiful. You Give know, a shout out to our illustrator. Celebrating our, our, the little things of life. Shout out to our fabulous illustrator, Gabrielle Flood. That's F-L-U-D-D. You can get her at Gift of Gabby or Gift of Gab. No, Gift of Gabby LLC. And thank you, thank you, thank you. We love y'all for real. And we are so excited to tell our truth. Take us out, You should leave that part in. Thank you, friends, for hanging with us. We got you. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And also, please follow us on IG, Facebook, and Twitter. Our social platform is at Diverse Love. That's D-I-V-E-R-S-E-L-U-V. And don't forget, you can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Thank you, friends. We love y'all for real. Okay, me. Take us out. It's Truth and Coffee time. Help me not think about all my lows. Think of who you are sometimes. Girl, you always on my mind. Looking like it's Truth and Coffee time. Tell me what you really want to know. Girl, it ain't